Welcome to the weekly update, where we go in-depth with a particular topic. And joining me today is workplace relations consultant Clinton Tamelden. Welcome, Clinton. Thanks, Dan. So, Clinton, you've done this before. Um, please reveal the clue for those that are watching. Sure. It is the fifth season of Scrubs, complete with bonus features. Bonus features. Um, now, I can I can give you a hint that the bonus features is not the uh, is not the clue. The DVD itself is, and uh, those you may know, but those at home may not know that Scrubs is a TV show around uh, the progression of some junior doctors. I didn't know that. Um, and uh, so, based on that clue, what would you say is the topic for today's podcast? I'd say that's about doctors in training. You've done well, Clinton. Um, you've done really well. I think it was probably an easier topic uh, clue that anyone's ever received, but yes, clue, that is correct. So today is part one of a two-part podcast where you and I'll be discussing the commencement of the review stage uh, for the, both the doctors in training and the medical specialist agreement. Um, this podcast today will provide a broad summary of what to expect across the review process uh, and will also provide greater detail with respect to the doctors in training agreement. Starting uh, broadly, both agreements possess a nominal expiry date of 31st December 2021. That's correct. Um, so the Doctors in Training Agreement in particular has a nominal expiry date of 31 December 2021. When is bargaining slated to commence for both agreements? So under the current bargaining framework, bargaining commences six months prior to the nominal expiry date, which would mean the 30th of June next year. Having regards to the Victorian government wages policy and the enterprise bargaining framework, uh, what does the lead up to bargaining look like? So at a really high level, um, noting that there will be informal and formal presentations uh, over the um, next you know, six to 12 months, um, we'd anticipate the following, which will show on screen. Um, so the Victorian government wages policy and enterprise bargaining framework provides for indicative bargaining preparation timelines. So using 30 June 2021 as the anticipated commencement of bargaining, we would hold preliminary discussions with the Department, IRV and the Department of Treasury and Finance in late December, early January and with our employer logger claim which is referred to within that, uh, within that document as the draft bargaining approval document due with the Department of Health and Human Services in its final form by the end of March. Do we anticipate bargaining will start on time? So history tells us that the doctor's agreements start very late. Um, and in the current climate, bargaining's been delayed um, by way of commencement for all public agreements, save for nurses. Um, however, that won't stop us in ensuring our employer log submitted with the department on time in accordance with the wages policy and enterprise bargaining framework. I understand we have recently issued our first draft of the review tracker for both agreements. Yeah, that's correct. So earlier this week, we issued the first draft of the review tracker for the doctor's uh, EBAs. So we've sent that to both the doctor's EBA reference group, uh, and that's been posted on Yammer. And we've also sent it to the Victorian Medical Executive. Have we uh, provided a deadline for feedback? So we haven't set a deadline for feedback. Um, we've issued this timeline um, with sufficient, sorry, with this document with sufficient time for members to review and provide their own feedback and all suggestions by the end of this year. So we're not expecting members to provide feedback immediately? Look, we're not, um, especially with the current climate with the pandemic. Um, we'd like to get this across to health services so they can review in their own time over the coming months. Should members expect to uh, receive a reminder later in the year? So we'll still frequently engage with members and issue specific deadlines and provide other opportunities to engage later this year. Okay, so let's move to the topic for today's podcast being doctors in training. 
So for the purpose of today's podcast, we'll be providing a summary of key topics, um, some of which will be familiar to members. Um, we've assisted members on quite a few occasions since the commencement of this agreement on these topics, and we've placed them on screen for those that are watching. Um, so contracts, um, specifically multi-year contracts and multi-service contracts, training time, overtime, leave, specifically annual leave, and shift penalties, particularly the salary schedule. So naturally, there are a number of matters outside these topics, but overall, these five matters have been the majority subjects of discussion during the life of the current agreement and also prior to the current agreement. Would you say uh, some of these matters are legacy issues from the 2013 agreement? We would. So there was a lot of good work done during bargaining last round, especially with the doctors in training agreement. Um, but these issues identified today that we'll be looking to resolve through bargaining this time around have been issues for quite some time. Awesome. So let's start with contracts. I understand last round there was a claim from the AMA Victoria to mandate two-year contracts. As someone involved with bargaining last round, can you share how those discussions transpired? Thank you. So look, with the AMA's logger claim in 2017, they sought to increase the contract term for doctors in training to two years and only provide for shorter terms at the doctor's request. Um, generally, contracts under this agreement are for one year with the parent hospital and then the doctor may rotate to rotation hospitals. During bargaining last round, we sought feedback from the Victoria Medical Executive and the HMO managers, which indicated that the sector would be unable to accommodate two-year contracts as an absolute minimum from the commencement date of this current agreement. I understand the implementation of two-year contracts was inserted in, into the uh, SDPPWG. That's correct. Um, so it was agreed that it would be uh, there'd be a central committee developed um, as part of the SDPPWG to assess how best to implement two-year contracts over the life of the current agreement. And how's that work progressing? Interestingly, a large number of health services have moved towards the offering of two-year contracts uh, and longer. Um, as it stands, two-year contract working group um, that sits aside the SDPPWG will be utilised to share useful content such as common contracts and the development of FAQs. So what's on our radar from a review perspective for contracts? So probably keeping with the theme of multi-year contracts, we've found that the current minimum and maximum period of employment clause provides for a maximum of 156 calendar weeks and a minimum of 52 weeks, and that should be varied to facilitate contracts of greater length and shorter lengths. Does this apply to all doctors in training? It doesn't. So there is an exclusion clause at subclause 21.2 that excludes medical officers, senior medical officers, casual doctors, and placements arranged by the specialist medical college. What would be an example of where a greater length contract would be necessary? So currently the agreement caps contracts at 156 calendar weeks or three years. Um, a doctor's engagement, especially within a specialist training program, can't, uh, sorry, often exceeds five or more years, especially in niche areas. Um, so we would say that health services and doctors shouldn't be constrained as to the length of the contract that can be mutually agreed. And a shorter length contract? So this agreement assumes that every contract is at least 52 weeks. Um, there are common instances as such as replacement of a parental leave contract uh, where a shorter contract length would be necessary and appropriate to complete the remaining period of the original contract. You mentioned multi-service contracts uh, earlier. What role do they play? So we've noted an increase in uh, consortiums, for lack of a better term, especially across regional and rural health services, where a group of health services seek to engage a doctor for a long period. An example is the Murray to Mountains intern training program. The agreement doesn't facilitate these arrangements well. Um, so as we'd want to encourage doctors to work rurally and regionally, um, we'd like to also reduce the administrative burden experienced by the doctor and the health service when entering in, into those arrangements. 
Moving now to training time, you mentioned legacy issues earlier. I understand the challenges of training time have beset VHIA, AMA Victoria, and health services for a while. That's correct. So look, um, training time was a topic that attracted substantial attention during the last round of bargaining, um, and we hope to make it simpler for health services. And I think we did do that through the introduction of greater flexibility, but the topic still remains a frequently disputed item. And where do you think it can be improved? Personally, I'd like to see it removed completely. Um, it was a suggestion I made last uh, last round during bargaining that AMA Victoria rejected. Um, and I also anticipate that a lot of our members share that same view. If it was to remain, where could it be improved? So if the entitlement was to remain, um, it should be limited to registrars who are engaged within a specialist training program. Um, so where a doctor is performing higher duties as a registrar, or who is contracted to the role of a registrar but isn't engaged in a specialist training program, there shouldn't be an entitlement to training time. Great. And now moving to overtime, what's your thoughts with respect to review on this clause? The majority of the agreements within the sector provide for overtime where they exceed ordinary hours. Usually 38 hours a week, 72 a fortnight, 152 in a, in a, in a four-week period. Um, what creates issues at the local level is the payment of overtime where the doctor works a shift that exceeds their roster. We'd prefer to see a structure that where ordinary hours are determined in advance, say 76 hours a fortnight, and the doctor only receives overtime where they work in, in excess of that. I understand we identified a gap with respect to overtime and time off in loop. We did. So um, we'd like to see a broadening of the time off in lieu arrangements. Currently, it only allows for conversion of overtime worked into carer's leave at a one-to-one -one ratio. Um, we'd like to incorporate the terms from the Medical Practitioners Award 2020 that allows for a one-to-one -one conversion to time off in lieu generally. Great. That takes us to leave, um, particularly annual leave. What does the review tracker identify for this entitlement? Look, annual leave under this agreement is unnecessarily complex. Um, the payment calculation method at subclause 60.4 is as easy to understand as Russian literature. Um, I'd probably suggest that Dostoevsky's novel Crime and Punishment, um, well, at least the title is an accurate representation of uh, how one goes about understanding and applying that clause. What amendments have we proposed? So we'd like to see annual leave for doctors in training paid in the same manner as medical specialists uh, and also other groups within public health um, based on their ordinary time rate of pay at their contracted hours. Great. Finally, you mentioned shift penalties, in particular the salary schedule. Which, uh, what have we identified in the review tracker for this topic? So the doctors in training agreement provides for shift penalty payments. Um, what we've found is the night duty allowance, which is payable per each hour worked pursuant to subclause 37.4, is reflected in the salary circular as a per shift payment. Um, so while the per shift payment applies to the ordinary shift penalties paid at um, subclause 37.3, the salary schedule should be corrected to reflect a per hour payment for night duty allowance to avoid any unnecessary disputation uh, or confusion. We skimmed over the key topics which are part of the broader review tracker for the doctors and training agreement. If health services haven't received a copy of the review tracker or have feedback about the review tracker, who should they contact? So we've posted a copy of the review tracker on the doctor's EBA reference group on Yammer, um, and as I mentioned, we provided it by email to the Victoria Medical Executive. Um, if a member would like to join the Doctors EBA reference group or have feedback about the review tracker, they should get in touch with us via doctorseba at vhia.com.au or by telephone on 9861-4000. Thank you, Daniel. I look forward to joining you again next week for part two, where we discuss the review tracker for medical specialists. Wonderful. Thank you very much for joining me, Clinton. I'm a